Welcome to The Climb, the podcast where we conquer our inner mountains. I'm Natasha Wallstra, your host and guide on this transformative journey. This show is brought to you by the Inner Mountain Foundation, inspired by the work of Diane Wong, empowering women everywhere to stand up, speak out, and make a difference. Every episode, we explore a theme related to personal growth and empowerment, drawing on the experiences and insights of extraordinary women. This isn't just a listening experience. It's a call to action, an invitation to grow, and a journey of discovery. So are you ready to embark on today's climb? Let's begin. Hi, Jeff. Welcome. Hi, Natasha. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here on The Climb. Obviously, the mission of The Climb, the Intermountain Foundation, and myself, it's not just about empowering women, but also engaging men. And because of, well, there's various things that you do that um, made me think to reach out to you to join this. But um, actually, I'll name off a couple if you don't mind, because I think Tuesdays with Tay-Tay, i.e. <laughs> hashtag Tuesday with Tay-Tay, <laughs> where you talk about Taylor Swift's lessons of leadership and just like her amazing lyrics um, that you do every Tuesday on LinkedIn. Um, most recently to that post where you condemned Ruby Alice, the president of the Spanish Soccer Federation, um, on his uh, forced kiss with Hermoso. Um, you clearly very much support women. Um, mm. And also, actually, let's go back to like one of our first conversations where I learned about your little miss entrepreneur in the house you have. And you are such an amazing, inspiring father supporting your nine-year-old daughter. She's 10 now. 10 now. Oh, my gosh. How's that going, by the way? I heard she had, well, I heard from you, she had some employees even. She did have employees. (laughs) Uh, So... Listen, it all worked up to a peak and she really wanted... uh, to have me feature it in my, or have me tell my friends and feature it in my newsletter. And so mm-hmm. I wrote this newsletter once, and I have over 10,000 subscribers to the newsletter, and it's about leadership. And and so I was writing this article, and I realized, oh, my daughter's story with her candle company would actually fit in. And so I put it in the story, and then I called out at the end, if anybody wants candles, it's, you know, X dollars, whatever it was, $15, which includes shipping. And send it over. And she got a whole ton of orders. And then she didn't do it. <laughs> oh, like no. that was, Yeah. Her employee <laughs> quit. She had two employees. One of them's mother told her she wasn't allowed to do it anymore because she thought the kid would burn down the kitchen. So that <laughs> ended. <laughs> and then the other one just kind of faded away. And so um, I refunded all the money to the people. <laughs> <laughs> So she made more candles this weekend because one of her teachers wanted candles for her wedding. And so she made a couple candles this weekend. But uh, but anyway. To be fair, how this came about anyways was I was um, working on my wreath business on the side and opened my Etsy store just as your daughter opened up hers. And um, just as uh, I feel like there's a similar story here because mine has kind of gone on the back burner as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got, a lot of, got a lot of orders in. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, like I've got a day job too. <laughs> Well, um, hey, here, priorities. <laughs> you know, in a women helping women uh, story, so I bought the wreath from you, right? I got it 
first of all, my daughter loves it, so it's still on her bedroom door. Oh, yay! And you <laughs> randomly included a uh, mold for candles in it. And, like, that changed the face of my daughter's business. Like, she started using that mold. She was selling out right away. And so we then bought other molds similar to it. And it that's when it, she hired two employees. And <laughs> so, yeah, you guys, two oh, entrepreneurs no working together. Oh, that makes me so happy. That was so sweet. I mean, I was totally bonding with her on our first, I think, ever Zoom call when we met. Yes. Uh, through LinkedIn, but I just like, she came by to ask about some candle stuff and I was like, oh, tell me more. And I was like, I have to send her something to encourage this journey of hers. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, that was awesome. (laughs) So, um, well, cool. So outside of all of that, and then also the work that you do currently, which we will talk about shortly, um, I'd love to learn more about who Jeff is because I also heard you've got a very unique backstory. Where do I start? I was an entrepreneur from a young age, actually. And my daughter, in fact, you know, looping back to the uh, candle stuff, she beat me because I started my first company when I was 11 and she, she was 10 and a half. And so that's a point of pride for her. She sold more things. I made more money. So (laughs) the competition (laughs) in the competition in the house. And I hope your wife is more uh, neutral or does she, is she also competitive? She's well. She is competitive. We, she and I met through triathlon, and oh, she. Uh, so she is competitive, but she is definitely more neutral than I am. Okay. Listen, my my daughter liked playing handball, and for a period there, and and my wife uh, didn't want to, and frankly, neither did I. But I went, um, and it turned into betting every time. So. <laughs> <laughs> so and my daughter was better at me than handball, mostly because I didn't want to run that much. And yeah. so she racked up, you know, like a f- I had a, like a $5 tab with her that I was trying to work down. And then it became like $2 a game. <laughs> like, I can't afford this. Let's pick a different sport. <laughs> that is so good. I'm so excited to follow your daughter's journey now. I Like she's already doing this at 10. I can't even believe what's going to come. I fear for the world. Yeah. <laughs> She's she's a strong she's a strong woman. I'm I'm proud, very proud of her. Um, so anyway, I uh, I wanted to be in the music business. Um, I was as I was growing up. I um, pl- I was a classically trained pianist, and so I played piano for a while. And then I realized it was really uh, hurt my back to bring pianos to parties, and so I picked up guitar because that was easier to carry to parties. <laughs> and then um, a little trumpet, a little saxophone, a little here and there. I started DJing. I was a manager and I went to school. I was in bands and blah, 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 college and, and high school. And um, then I realized I didn't have any talent. Like I wasn't <laughs> going to go anywhere. When your mother and grandmother think you're awesome, you know, inflates the ego when you're like yes. 14 or 13. But then I realize you too is better than me and that's who I'd be up against. And so that's not going to happen. And so I entered the music business. And I did um, A&Rs, which is talent search, and worked with a bunch of cool artists. And then I started my own record company. I was able to sell that a few years later to Universal Music and worked there for a little bit. And then I, at the same time, I'd started a marketing company and an e-commerce company. And the marketing company expanded. um, And I ended up, uh, we were doing go-to-market strategies for Fortune 1000s, the craft and city and Mattel and things like that. Uh, that got acquired by a, a big um, 
marketing media conglomerate where I found myself now GM of a billion dollar company and was there for four or five years and then started uh, a, a sports tech site. So a, a registration for endurance athletic events, which got acquired by Gannett Media in uh, late 2019, early 2020. And after I, I left there in uh, uh, like a year ago or so, and then Gannett asked me to help um, with one of their business units to help work with the leadership team and grow it. There's a, a very smart woman who took over as CEO. And so I, I helped her, the, the head of marketing, another very smart woman running that. And then, uh, you know, a variety of others to really kind of transition the company. At the same time, I was asked by a bunch of other friends to do the same thing. And one thing leads to another. And then um, all of a sudden I'm asked by, by primarily women to help coach. And it's primarily senior executives at large companies. And so most of my consulting work is for mid-sized founder-led companies, but my coaching work seems to be around um, female senior executives uh, who are rising in their careers and helping them navigate what is often a misogynistic uh, environment, um, either uh, subtly or, or not, right? And, and kind of the benefit I give is I know what their bosses are going to say, right? I know what their bosses are thinking. And yeah. so not only can I relate to what they're trying to accomplish, but I could tell them how to navigate around the waters of maleness. Maleness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, um, coaching them during these transitions in a very systematic systemic, uh, structural problems that you have at these organizations. So you help on like the corporate side and also the coaching side, or is it primarily individuals? So on the large companies, it's primarily individuals. And uh, so my on my consulting side, it's really 30 to 130 person founder-led companies. And, and, you know, at that point in a company's growth, there's a transition that happens with a founder. And Listen, I'm a, I'm a recovering entrepreneur. I know the, the psychotic nature of founders. And mm -hmm. so I could go in at that stage and understand exactly how they're screwing things up, but they don't believe it, right? You know, at, at that stage, founders, you know, they're at six, eight, ten million $10 million in revenue. And they think, hey, I've done a great job. Everything that I've done so far has clearly led to this. I'm going to keep doing more of it and it'll grow the company to $50 million. But it won't. It'll actually mm -hmm. kill the company. And so I go in and help them with that transition. Okay. And then with the coaching side, again, it's, it's kind of fortune 1000s, but I have some uh, venture clients and other, you know, type of leaders, um, female leaders. Um, so with them, it's one-on-one uh, -on -one and it's how to help them achieve their goals. As you get higher and higher in the organization, there is... Um, oftentimes more subtle uh, types of uh, ways that they're being put down. Mm. And, and again, oftentimes leaders, uh, male leaders, don't even understand that they're doing it. Um, sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes it's very intentional. Uh, and so I help them individually navigate that, which is part coach. It's a lot of empowerment, um, part therapist. Right? Yeah. And... Uh, 
you know, um, and giving them a different insight that, that, that maybe I bring uniquely as a male that right. another female wouldn't be able to have. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so I guess, um, it's not just external factors though of other men in the organization, but also internal issues or beliefs or self-doubt that they're experiencing is it like between the two and, or I guess like, what are the top three type of, um, issues you typically see and how do you help navigate those? Yeah. So, you know, the, um, listen, let me first talk about why I prefer working with women than men. Um, you know, one thing, and then I'll talk about some of the issues I see. So one thing is there's usually much more self-awareness, right? And especially mm-hmm. at that level of, of a career, you know, they know what they want and they're, and who they are and they're driven to get it. Um, secondly, there's usually a lot more empathy um, mm-hmm. or a tendency towards empathy, uh, which leads to um, better leadership skills. You know, empathy, yes, is an important part of leadership, but there are other elements where if you are naturally empathetic, it helps with, with some of these other elements. They also want to learn, right? They're open to other ideas and uh, to exploring themselves and where their strengths and weaknesses are. And and so it makes it, um, I actually find women to be much better leaders than men and much better open to, or much more open to being better leaders. Uh, Also, there was a study that I wish I uh, remembered who did it, but it's in one of my newsletters uh, a, a bit ago where they were studying who is the most who are the most productive workers in any given work environment, and the result was that women with two or more kids are the most productive people. I remember right? this newsletter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Because like, if you can't organize yourself and be highly efficient with two or more kids, like you have bigger problems. <laughs> um, much less putting work in there, right? Um, so. So what I like to, you know, what the problems I see, uh, there's a lot of kind of imposter syndrome. I, I hesitate to call it strictly imposter syndrome, but feeling less than, right? Mm-hmm. And less than comes up in a variety of ways, a lot of which is because they have family life, right? And family life is a priority. And uh, there's there's oftentimes the struggle of how, you know, I'm expected to do this, but I want to do that. Um, or I'm expected to do two things that are counter to each other, mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, another is lack of clarity on how to navigate the politics of um, male-driven structures, right? And how to get what you need out of it. Um, third is not recognizing when they are being put down Mm. all the time, right? Sometimes it's obvious. Like, you know, I have one client who is very clearly paid less than others and others in similar roles who are not female. And that's obvious and that's a big problem. And, you know, we're working on solving that. But, But then there are also subtle ways like, you know, I've got one client who's uh, 
whose boss just didn't show up for one-on-ones every now and then. And like, not, hey, I'm not going to make it. It just wouldn't show, right? So oh, she'd wow. be on Zoom and 15, 20 minutes later, nobody's there. And there was always like a good excuse, you know, my daughter got hurt or whatever it was. But, and so I would get those justifications. But at the end, no, there's no excuse for not saying, hey, I'm not going to be there or, hey, I'm going to be late. Like that's mm-hmm. respect. It's respecting right. other people's time. And so, you know, a lot of what I do comes down to that, like, um, let's value you and yeah. value the important things of who you are and what you want to accomplish. And how do we put that in the framework of where we're working? Right. Um, Is that like having to be more assertive and, and coaching sometimes. around that side of it? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it is. And, but it always has to come down to, um, to facts, right? You're dealing with males. They want facts. And, uh, you know, I've got two examples. So I have this, uh, this one, um, client is just a brilliant woman who's going to change the world, like in a big way. And she was going into a big presentation on this big pitch with her boss. And it was, you know, beautiful 12 slides and big story. And she had described the guy to me before. And so I said to her, hey, listen, it seems like your boss is the type of guy that is not going to pay attention. And he just wants the two or three things that he needs done. And she's like, yes. I said, okay, you don't need the deck. Yeah. You just need two or three things to tell him <laughs> to do and and do it, right? Right. And don't mess with all this other stuff because you've been trying that already for months. Mm-hmm. And so she goes in. She says the two or three things. It was a great meeting. It was 15 minutes. And he went and he did them. And it moves her forward. So it's giving some type of insight like that, right? Then um, and another example of uh, a client who's part of a leadership. She's the only female in the leadership team. And big company, billion dollar plus company. And uh, in this group, one of the one of the other departments, and the departments are separate businesses, right? So she's in charge of one business of this. So this other company or sub company was was not profitable, and they needed to figure out a way. So they took money out of her budget. Hmm. to pay that company so that they could look profitable, which then hurt her right? because she is based on, right. Her P and L is what she's judged on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, like this had been going on for like two years. And when I found out, it's like, that's not right. It's not your responsibility to take care of other people. And so it's empowering her. I mean, that's an overgeneralization. It is her responsibility to take care of some people, not that guy though. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, that's kind of, I think, an issue a lot of us typically have is like, I want to make sure everyone else is okay before I, I'm okay. And that has translated right. into my work experience too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, and that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And listen, I'm not, a, I'm no expert on women. I'm, if I'm an expert on anything and I'm not on me, that would be the closest, right? And I think I'm pretty, um, I'm like a lot of guys, right? And and so if anything, I have a good intuition of how people, I talk to them quickly and understand how they think. 
with my consulting business, you know, it's hundred, it's thirty to one hundred and thirty person founder led companies, and one of the challenges that founders have in in that at that time is con- trying to keep controlling others, which is important mm-hmm. early on. But by the time you get to thirty people or so, you got to give up control. And right. so I talked to them about if they have kids. Hey, when your kid started trying to walk and they fell. Did you just pick up your kid and carry them over to the place? Did you tell them to stop walking, that you'll walk for them? Mm-hmm. No, of course you don't. You let them fail within reason, like don't walk over knives or anything. And uh, and then you let them go. So is what you have to do in work too is the same thing, is let people fail. I tell men that and they don't get it. <laughs> uh, I tell women that and they're like, oh yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like parenting or leadership isn't about work. It's about behavior, right. And mm-hmm. how you are. And that's like parents are leaders. And, and it goes back to that study of, of parents and specifically women of two or more kids. Like you're leading a group of people and yeah. oftentimes a group of very evil people right? <laughs> <laughs> who do not have your best interest in mind. And so you've got to be able to get what you need done in that scenario as the same as work and, um, and oftentimes treating it like kids. Right. And, and that doesn't mean talking down to them or anything like that, but it, but it does mean the, you know, organization, clarity and efficiency. Here's what I need. Here are the boundaries we're going to set. Here's what's not good for me when you do. And, and, so here's how we're going to move forward. Let's come up with a reasonable solution that works for all of us and get it done. Now go brush wow. your teeth. Or maybe you don't <laughs> say that to your teeth. boss. But <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, it's kind of like, and I, it's funny, I, I despise pickles, but I talk about pickles all the time now of that idea of if you're inside your pickle jar, you can't see the label on the outside. So it almost feels right. like you go and speak with these women and give them, like tell them what's on that label and help them with that external objectivity of how to navigate yes. these scenarios, especially with sometimes evil individuals. <laughs> right. Right. And so maybe I'm going to call myself now the chief pickle jar label. Yes. <laughs> But please hashtag brush your teeth. <laughs> yeah, hashtag brush your teeth. You just want people to brush the proverbial teeth. Just get it done. Like it's yeah. the basics. Just tell me you're not going to be at the at the meeting. Right? Yeah. That's right. fine. You're going to miss it. Just say it. Right. Or just ask me before you take money out of my budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 listen, again, some of that depending on the the person and the age, like they, they just don't think. And it of, they don't think it's bad of, yeah, that company's profitable. Let's take it out of the profitable company. No, actually that woman re- worked really hard to make that company profitable. Right. And you created a bonus plan based on that profitability. So you're taking money out of her pocket and that's not right. And so I'm going to help her stand up for that. Yeah. And you say you're like many other men, but I I, I will disagree uh, kindly with that because you are very intuitive and you do have a lot of empathy around this. And so I actually, out of curiosity, because hopefully there are other men like you though, um, what sort of advice would you give to men who are seeing this behavior happen and could maybe support their 
women leaders in the organization, like what else can be done in the system to make this easier for especially founder led women, but also, um, like across the board, right? Completely. Um, and, and listen, it's not just women that see discrimination, uh, and, and it's in a variety of areas and, you know, awareness is the biggest thing. Like there's so many things come to mind. Um, mostly Finland, Finland for people who follow me. <laughs> that was not on, what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. People who follow me on social media know my, um, love of Finland, which incidentally, mm-hmm. I think it's four years running that they are the happiest country on earth mm-hmm. for so many reasons. But what the Finnish government does now is they openly display every person's salary in the entire country. So if you uh-huh. are going to apply for a job, let's say as a female, you can just log in and look at all the males, everybody who's at the same level as what you're applying for and see what their salary is. It's complete transparency on everybody. And there's a lot of other things they do, but, but there's so many elements in corporate America that again, impact the way women are treated and having awareness of all those things and uh, looking at your behavior and even you know, letting go of whether it's purposeful or not purposeful, like, and believing that you are doing things that you don't even know, and that's okay, but you got to understand what they are, but also standing up for when uh, you see injustice happening. Like mm-hmm. I was at, uh, at a, a client company, a consulting company that I, a consulting job I was working with, and there was uh, male being hired at a higher level than a female who was more senior to him. Now, Mm -hmm. the two of them weren't in the same department. They would probably never interact, but that's not the point. Right. The point is that, you know, he was manager, she was a director and he was like $10,000 above her. So I made a stink. Like you cannot treat people like that. I don't care Mm -hmm. if they know or not. You know, and what I said to the HR person is, you know, that's right. enough. Like, yeah. You know, and you're making a choice to do this and that's wrong. And, you know, so, th- so what can you do? Well, first of all, transparency and communication are really important. Now there are studies that show that women will not negotiate as hard as men. So that means if you are leaving room for negotiations and salaries, women will always be lower, Mm. right? Because men will negotiate harder. So screw that, right? Like my opinion, and that's why I like Finland, right? Is (laughs) say what the salary is. Here's what the salary is. I don't care what color or gender you are. This is the salary. And if you do X, it goes up by Y. Right. And, uh, you know, that, that, by the way, negotiation also impacts um, people who are of lower economic status because they're not going to risk losing a job right. by negotiating too hard, right? They're not ready to walk away. So they're, the people who need it the most are going to get paid less because they don't have the, you know, 
the the wherewithal to be able to walk away from the job. And, you know, there's a variety. There, it goes deep in that, right? And so um, I think awareness is the biggest thing and understand that they're, you know, you may say everybody's treated equal. And I, I really can't stand the people who are like, okay, you want equality? Well, take out the trash or, well, uh, you know, like... <laughs> That, that's idiotic. Like that's like yeah. a woman saying, "Well, you go have a period." No, it's not <laughs> equality, right? It's yeah. it's about treating each other fairly, right? Treating everybody fairly, regardless of who they are, what color they are, what gender they are, and uh, and th- there are systems inherent in what we built uh, that do not act that way. So we need to change the system. So I encourage all entrepreneurs as you're starting companies, like that's the time to do it. And to have kind of radical transparency in what you're doing so that there's fairness. And, and openness to trying sure, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And listen, there's also studies that that say um diversity in senior in management leads to more revenue. Right? Yeah. It leads to more revenue because you get more people who look at the company and say, Oh, there are women at the top. There's whatever, Latinos at the top, that I relate to that. That's a place that I could fit in. So you have a, a bigger pool of people. Right. I'm to, welcome here. To get to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody's welcome here. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's more motivated because they feel at home. And that leads to more productivity and more revenue. And, and so, you know, including diversity in leadership um, and leadership uh, and, and radical transparency, I guess, are the two things that I would... Plus self-awareness. Three <laughs> Plus. <laughs> so maybe I have 40 things. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with those three. <laughs> I love it. Um, are there any like tools, books, mentors, someone who's helped you along this path or that you advise to your students to read or listen to, like something that could, um, that helps them along the way? I, I wish I were more organized than that and, um, and uh, you know, professorial, but I'm not. I, uh, a lot of what I do is just experience and intuition. And yeah. listen, m- my mother is a um, uh, mentor for me. And she's a very, she's a, a strong woman hidden in a weak woman, right? She... Mm-hmm. She believes, and a week is not the right word, but I can't figure it out, right? Like she, um, she will say she, she, things are too difficult for her to do, but she does them and she does them really mm-hmm. well, right? And she continually starts, she starts new companies. She creates new lives in different places. She, you know, she is a great role model for many, many people and on the strength of the woman, right? Yeah. And so um, she's also a therapist. She's very empathetic. And uh, and so I learned a lot from her and continue to. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually am curious then going back to talking about accountability. When yep. you speak with these leaders, um, how is it, how do you... How do you hold them accountable slash how do you help them stay accountable for following through and making these changes that aren't just like a one-time conversation, but ongoing impact within the organization? 
and themselves. Yeah, I think there there are two things on this. One is holding them accountable, which I will uh, talk about second. But one of the biggest problems in um, corporate America with leaders is accountability. Like that's the number one thing that leaders say they're not good at and that employees say they wish they had more of. Mm-hmm. And my generalization of my small little pool of study is that <laughs> men for the most part are better holding people accountable because they don't care as much. Mm. Right? And <laughs> women seem to care more. And I'm like, don't care that much. No, but <laughs> it, it comes down to just a few questions, right? Like, what are you going to do? Why are you doing it? How are you going to get it done? And when are you going to get it done? And so it's asking the employees to do that and then making sure they do it, right? And that last part, people stress on. And I'm like, no, it's pretty simple, right? Like they either did it and yay, or they didn't. And so if they didn't, you ask them why they didn't. And it doesn't matter what their answer is. Let them come up with all the excuses in the world. The reality is you should have told me or you should have gotten it done. Those are your only two choices, right? And if you you didn't get it done, so I'll let you off this time. But it has to change, right? And if somebody does that like one time, okay. Two times, that's not good. Three times, there's a big problem. You probably need to get rid of that person. And so, you know, that's just a standard of accountability yeah. that everybody should do in my mind. Yeah. Uh, it's worked for me at least. So yeah, how do no I hold t- No taking here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have an awesome accountability flow chart through my newsletter Ooh. that is actually not only informative, but funny. Um, Was it also written on a napkin starting at least? No, but I shouldn't do it on a napkin. <laughs> yes. I did it on the computer and it's just, it doesn't look good as a napkin. <laughs> Um, I may switch to paper towel for that because I'll need a bigger one. Bigger so one makes maybe sense. I'll go the half bounty. roll, right? Yeah, yeah, the half <laughs> roll. Yeah. Um, the uh, the other is holding them accountable. So you know, and holding somebody accountable, it's it's that. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? How are you going to do it? When are you going to get it done? And so, in all my coaching, it's it's those things. Okay, what's the goal? How do we get there? And what are you going to do this week in order to do that? And so. You know, my relationships, the way I uh, communicate with the clients is there's a weekly meeting we always have one hour every week to discuss the bigger things, but it's all um, communication anytime, text, Slack, email, whatever. Yeah. Like I'm here to to help in any way. Yeah. And uh, so it's always ongoing conversations, but um, but for those big things, it's, it's once a week. I also have these eight secret habits of um, successful leadership, which, you know, I say secret because everybody's like, Ooh, secret. I want to know secrets. Not really that secret. (laughs) It's the hook. It's the hook, right? (laughs) It's the hook. It's the hook. It's all about the hook. Um, So depending on the person, I'll go through each of those habits like one a week and have them practice Mm it. And um, that has definitely helped some people and like not all eight help everybody, but there's yeah. at least a few in there that you just get a new mindset of how to be a, a, a better communicator, better insp- inspirational person, better leader. And you got so, me curious. So can you tease out a couple of those secrets? 
<laughs> I can. So, you know, I would say the first and probably the most important one is curiosity, but curiosity is um, about more than just, hey, I want to learn. In fact, that is oftentimes the bad side of curiosity, and I'll explain that in a second. But it's curiosity is kind of another word for empathy, right? Like mm -hmm. instead of judging people or uh, putting ideas down, you know, it's empowering them by asking the question. And I, I was mm -hmm. actually talking to a client yesterday and he has a, a um, this is a consultant client and they have one person on the team that is just not coming through. And so I asked how he talked to her and uh, he said, well, he never says you, you know, you should do this or you should do that. He said, he always says we, uh -huh. um, we should do this or we should do that. And I'm like, listen, let me give you insider baseball here. <laughs> when you say we, everybody hears you. So yeah. it doesn't really matter what you're saying. Mm -hmm. If you want to empower, you have to ask the question, not tell them. What right. could we have done better? What do you think we could have done? What could have you have done better on this? How could we improve in the future? And so um, that curiosity is, is really uh, critical in the whole thing. Yeah. The bad side of curiosity, and this is what I see a lot in women, right? And this, in fact, this came up uh, this week, is a feeling like they need to know everything so that they can speak intelligently with other colleagues about what they're doing. Yeah. And this is where my work with founders at mid-sized companies and senior level females coincide. Like it, it's the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. As a founder, when you start a company, you have to know everything. You're the point person for all the information. You need all the answers. But by the time you hit 30 people, you shouldn't have the answers. Like you should stop giving answers and you should start just asking the questions, right? Oh, so instead yeah. of knowing what the answer is, you just need to know the question. And the question is always the same. It's just why, right? Sometimes you throw in a what, when, and how in there. <laughs> but, and so, you know, as I was, I had a call with one of my um, coaching clients uh, earlier this week and whenever that was. And she was telling me how, hey, she needs to learn about this entire business unit that she's now in charge of because the leader of that unit was talking to her and she didn't understand anything he said. And I'm like, no, whether intentionally or not, he was just trying to make you feel bad, right? He was <laughs> yeah. trying to use words that you didn't understand so that you don't mess him up in whatever he wants to do. Like, you're the boss. You don't have to learn about it. Just tell him to use words that you understand, right? Like, can you yeah. talk to me like a normal person would? Yeah. And so, you know, that curiosity of wanting to learn everything, no, that'll drag you down. Um, so there's a lot more to curiosity, but that's the basics of it. Like, it's not just about learning. It's about empowering. Yeah. I love that. There's something on, I, I forgot where I read it too, about this like intentional ignorance. Like you don't need to come off as you know everything anyways, just because that will like get you too involved with something you shouldn't be spending your time. And it's like, what's the highest and best use of your time. Right. And that's not learning that right. or knowing that or pretending to know it. Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah. That's interesting. So listen, you're you're a high-powered woman. What do you what do you feel like your biggest challenges have been? And do you feel like you've been in places 
where you have been intentionally or unintentionally demeaned or felt lesser than? I think a big part of this and going back to that dang pickle jar, um, I'm in my own pickle jar a lot and I maybe am kind of associating that almost with like imposter syndrome, but I almost don't want to use that word either just because then it's almost like an excuse. Um, I just, I've always kind of lacked confidence and never felt empowered at previous organizations. I didn't have somebody there telling me I was doing a good job necessarily. And so until I actually met a mentor, a now mentor of mine, of course, she was the first that sort of was like, no, you're really good at this. And like, let me help you. Let me guide you. And so having that support was so critical um, to then coming out of my little pickle jar that I was in a couple of years ago, even more so, and starting to feel that I'm, you know, valued and, or that I should be valued and I'm worth more. Um, that was something I just never understood or felt had the confidence to embrace. Um, it wasn't really until I came here that I was like, wow, like I actually do bring a lot to this organization and I can have conversations and I know how to talk to people. And I have a unique perspective on building relationships and selling and LinkedIn, these types of things. And so it's just, it's a relatively very new thing for me to actually have any sort of confidence. <laughs> well, good for you. I think that's, yeah. I mean, you know, and that's not unique to a women by any, by any means. That's not, I'm, yeah. I was the poster child for imposter syndrome for, for a long time. And, uh, it's hard. It's hard. Like, you know, a lot of us are judging our insides by other people's outsides. And mm -hmm. there's always more than enough people out there to make us feel like we're not good enough. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it does. You do need somebody to read the label of the pickle jar. Yeah. Now and then. Why is it pickles, by the way? Why not like sauerkraut or something? I don't know. I think, I think cause we all know what a pickle jar looks like potentially. <laughs> so oh, I can like, okay. I can like see yeah. it, you know? Um, but yeah. I'm actually, I'm surprised, you know, you hearing you say that you've got or have experienced imposter syndrome. I mean, I'm sure many everyone does, but you've built and exited many companies and are a successful entrepreneur. You know, what, I guess, how have you overcome imposter syndrome when you start to experience it? You know, the, my, um, super secret eight secrets that I'm not going to tell anybody <laughs> besides curiosity, <laughs> I'm gonna take them to my grave. Um, the, uh, they actually were like, that's how it came up. Cause I was thinking of what took me out mm. of imposter syndrome and and honestly curiosity is like is the biggest one because i was the person who wanted to know everything listen mm. i i needed to know more about each department than of the companies i ran than the people who were in the department right so yeah. i know i could run just about any department now and have enough knowledge to really annoy the leaders of that department, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I know for the most part where they usually bury bodies, and um, and that's not like I wasted a lot of time doing that, right? And <laughs> yeah, and um, but it's because I felt less than, right? Like that is um, there there are five archetypes of imposter syndrome, and I'm I'm kind of all of them, uh, because I want to. I wanted to show that I had value and that other people thought that I had value when in reality it was just me not believing in myself enough. 
and thinking that I always had to do more. Like there's always somebody, I have to be the best. I have to be smarter. I have to sell the company for the most money. And like, if I don't do what I set myself up to do, like if I don't achieve my goal and my goal is usually lofty, uh, then I'm not good enough. Right. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I kept moving the goal line. Mm -hmm. And so I never actually get there. And then I end, you know, I sell a company and I'm like, well, that was a failure. Um, (laughs) What? (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. It is crazy. Yeah. Um, But listen, nobody said I was normal. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean it in a bad way. I mean, that's so wild. Like you literally like sold a company (laughs) and still experiencing it. So it is, it's normal is the point. It's something that you even successful, a a selling of your company and you still feel that it's, um, I'm sure that that's like pretty common actually. Hence why you started the next one. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I didn't think I was doing anything special. Like, yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. starting a company. You, you sell stuff, you grow, you hire people. Like, it's just what you do. And for me, it was like, well, that's not special. You know, it's, it just, just do it. It just came easy to me. Um, but yeah, definitely understanding. So wait, first let's go back. So I started my record company when I was 27. It sold three years later. So 30 ish. And at that time, I had no transferable skill set besides being a CEO. And so, you know, here I'm 30 years old and I still need to find a job, but what am I going to do? Like, I'm not a, mar- I know enough about marketing, but not enough for anybody to hire me. Same with sales, same with all this stuff. And, and so I felt like I, I, I can't do anything. I got nothing. I'm going to, yeah, I sold a company, but I can't get a job. And so, um, <laughs> You know, that led to another company. Now that I'm 35, whatever, however <laughs> old I am, uh, you know, it all, like, I look back and I'm like, okay, I do have something. I did learn something along the way. And yeah. I do have some good experiences and, um, and that can, I'm proud of that. I'm proud yeah. of what I did. When you should be. And also, I guess everything that you've learned, you're now sharing that and supporting women go through the same thing and hopefully not have to experience some of the stuff that you've seen and or experienced yourself. Right. Right. And listen, I'm at a stage where, um, listen, I got over the whole rock star thing. Like last <laughs> you week. I don't need, like, I'm not going to change the world in any big way. You know, maybe I change my little corner of it. Well, Um, you are helping a woman right now who's going to change the world, though, right? That's my thing is like if I could help, if I could have some little influence on people that are changing the world, like that fills my bucket to use a parent term. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I'm working with a few people right now that a few women that will change the world, like for Mm -hmm. the better in a big way. And I am honored and humbled to to you know, be working with them and friends now. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I am really grateful to you because it's been such a pleasure getting to know you through LinkedIn and see the support that you give to other women on there, to me, um, being on this podcast today, um, out of curiosity, if people do want to learn what those other seven secrets are, what is the best way to connect with you? 
Uh, carrier pigeon is really the best. I'm really <laughs> pro pigeon. Uh, that's my, it's the next niche I'm going for. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm actually making a course around, around the eight secrets. So that'll be coming. Oh, but fun. in the meantime, there's a few things you could do. One, go to bytitleonly.com. My newsletter is there. 10,000 plus subscribers at this point. Sign up. Read it first. If you like it, it sign up. If you don't like it, don't sign up. Well, and side note, it is so much fun to read your newsletter. It is, I probably shouldn't say this, but it is the only newsletter I read the entire thing every single week. It is so much fun. Like I hear your voice. And so there's lots of takeaways from that. And I'm learning as I start to, as I'm about to release my newsletter, I'm taking notes from like how you do it and just like hear your voice. It's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. And if you want to know about me, I actually, I don't know if you've been to my about page, but I wrote a poem about me. Because I'm like, (laughs) about pages are so boring. So let me just write a poem. And so there's a poem about me, which I think is kind of witty. And I'm on all the socials. uh, On LinkedIn, it's Jeff Matlow. Go there. And on everything else, it's by title only. So Instagram, X, threads, whatever, uh, YouTube. (laughs) And uh, the... You, we didn't talk enough about you. You are a rock star. And let me just get that out. Like, you are awesome. You are far too humble for um, what you've done and who you are and the influence you have over people, over me. Um, So I am grateful to have met you too and uh, to call you my friend and to have a wreath hanging in my place. Uh, So thank you for all you do, for your inspiration. I appreciate that. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you so much for being with us today. 